2: This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VCN,
3: the sports betting network.
4: You know, I almost uh, didn't do this show here. I almost didn't want to do it because I suffered the worst beat that you can suffer betting a Major League Baseball game. The Dodgers and the Cardinals National League wild card game went to the bottom of the ninth when the Dodgers. Hit a two-run walk-off home run to win three to one, and anyone like myself who had Cardinals plus a run and a half, well, those are the breaks. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is the look ahead here on Vison the sports betting network. You can follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. Just a brutal beat for Cardinals fans. For any Cardinals backer at plus a run and a half, it was a one-nothing Cardinals lead until the fourth inning when Justin Turner hit a solo home run to tie the game. It would remain a 1-1 score all the way until the bottom of the ninth. And let me just say, the Cardinals had multiple opportunities to score runs in this game. It's not like they didn't have their chances, and then oh, a tough beat there at the end, like they had multiple chances to score. They had runners on second, they you know, had plenty of opportunities with uh, runners on second and nobody, and uh, less than two outs, but for the Dodgers, Albert Pujols leads off the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, how cool would it have been if Pujols hit a walk-off home run against the Cardinals, right? The team that He's going to go into the Hall of Fame uh, wearing their hat. A 3-0 count. He gets the green light, of course, and he flies out to deep center field. Okay. Then you have a Sousa line out to center, and with two outs, we're one out away from extra innings. Cody Bellinger walks, and Chris Taylor then hits the two-run walk-off home run. So now the Dodgers advance. They were minus 225 favorites in this game. And the run line caches. If you had Dodgers minus a run and a half, good for you. I didn't. Uh, But now it'll be Dodgers-Giants, the matchup that every baseball fan was hoping to see in the NLDS. And yes, it's crazy. Some people have been saying how unfair is it that the second best team in Major League Baseball in the Dodgers, who won 106 games in the regular season, is forced to play in a win-or-go-home card game. But that's the reality of the situation. And you know what else is unfair? That the 107-win Giants have to face the 106-win Dodgers in the first round of the postseason! That matchup should be in the NLCS, but it's not because that's just the way that it works. And we've talked about the odds to win the World Series, the odds to win the pennant, and the Dodgers have always been the favorite. But now, this is very interesting, the Dodgers are favored over the Giants. Minus 160, the current odds... And the Giants plus 140 for the series, which will begin on Friday at San Francisco. No announced starting pitcher just yet for the Dodgers. It'll likely be Logan Webb going for the Giants. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to bet the Giants. And I'm going to bet them probably at the plus 140, and I'm going to bet them probably in every game that they're an underdog. This team, all season long, has been disrespected. Everybody waiting for the other shoe to drop. Everyone wondering what's going to happen to this team. When will the Dodgers take over first place? When will the Giants fade away? Um, It hasn't happened. It never happened. They're the best team in Major League Baseball, and right now, are they are an underdog against the Dodgers? And I'm very curious to see what the odds are going to be like on these games, whether they're in San Francisco or in LA. And the and why am I excited about this? Because if the Giants are an underdog in these games bet them on the run line at plus a run and a half. The San Francisco Giants, this season, when an underdog, when they are getting a run and a half, they are 44-13. and The Giants have covered a plus one and a half run line 44 times out of 57 games. They are 44-13 and as a run-line underdog. So when they line up against the Dodgers in whichever game it is, because maybe not game one at home, maybe they'll be a a small favorite. And the odds on these games might be very close, and you might have to pay a premium to get the Giants at a plus one and a half. It might be like minus 150, but that's free money, folks. 44 and 13 on the run line as an underdog. So if the Giants are dogs, which it looks like they will be, because the Giant the Dodgers are favored in this series right now, I will hammer the Giants. Absolutely hammer the Giants. Uh, taking a look at the updated odds to win the World Series. You have the Dodgers. Uh, There's no, they haven't been updated just yet, but Dodgers are your favorite to win the National League. You see it up there on the screen, plus 225 World Series odds. Um, Those are current? Okay, so we got current odds. Plus 225 and then plus 475 as we move down the list there. Uh, But the Dodgers are your favorite. Dodgers are plus 110 just to win the National League. Giants plus 330 to win the National League. And like I said, minus 160 is the line in that series for the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, I like the Giants plus 330 to win the National League. That's not a bad bet because the winner of this series, in my opinion, wins the National League. So if I'm going to bet the Giants in this series, I might as well, instead of plus 140, take them at plus 330 to win the National League rather than just win this series. So that is something that uh, I am absolutely going to take a look at. Still a little bitter over losing Cardinals, plus a one and a half, but sometimes that's just the way the week goes, right? And uh, that's the way it's going. The Major League Baseball postseason will continue on Thursday with the American League Division Series beginning. White Sox and Astros, uh, that'll be uh, from Houston and uh, that's a 4.07 Eastern time start. Red Sox and Rays from Tampa. That is an 8.07 Eastern time start. And what you have here is um, White Sox. Well, Astros are minus 130. White Sox plus 110. You have the White Sox at plus a run and a half, minus 180. And Houston, minus a run and a half, plus 155. Total in that game is eight. The under is minus 120. The over is even money, plus 100. Lance Lynn on the hill for the White Sox. Lance McCullers on the hill for the Astros. The Red Sox will send Eduardo Rodriguez to the hill against Shane McClanahan, getting the start for the Rays. The Rays are a minus 160 favorite. Red Sox plus 140. Minus a run and a half of the Rays is plus 130. Plus a run and a half of the Red Sox is minus 150. Total in that game is also 8. And the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. As far as the Braves and the Brewers, which will begin their series on Friday, uh, looks like it's going to be Charlie Morton and Corbin Burns as the starting pitchers in that series. Right now... It is Brewers minus 145, Braves plus 125, Uh, Braves plus a run and a half is minus 170, Brewers minus a run and a half is plus 150, total in that game is 7, the over is juiced at minus 115. Uh, The series odds for the Astros and the White Sox, the Astros minus 130, White Sox plus 110, the Rays minus 165 over the Red Sox plus 140. Brewers minus 150 over the Braves plus 125, and Dodgers minus 160 over the Giants plus 140. So that's the way the Major League Baseball postseason is going to look uh, right now. I can tell you, I, I'm I'm just I'm ne- I'm not going to get off the Giants. So the Giants are who I'm taking in the National League, and then uh, I think the the Rays will get it done in the American League. But I'll, I'll tell you what, these White Sox kind of give you some decent odds, right? I mean, if you're looking for odds here, plus 300 to win the American League, I don't hate it. And and maybe I'm just uh, not a believer in the Astros, even though they you know keep doing what they're doing. Uh, this is a good White Sox team, and uh, have, they have the capability to score some runs. I like the over in uh, that game one, but I think uh, taking the taking a look at the plus 330 for the Giants and the plus 300 for the White Sox, I don't exactly hate that. How about the exact matchup? White Sox-Giants-World Series, if you wanted to bet that exact matchup, plus 1600 That just puts a smile on my face. Plus 1600 A lot of plus money value. Kind of like that. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can follow me on Twitter, at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S. O-N-A-I-R. Coming up a little later on this hour, Chris Landry, a football scout, coach, and consultant from LandryFootball.com will join me. We'll go over some of the biggest games on the college football schedule and the NFL schedule. It's a very interesting college football slate with some huge games in the top 25. And then later on in the show, Adam Burke will join me as, well, our very own uh, Eureka in Point Spread Weekly. Let's talk a little college football coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting
5: network.
4: Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime, so you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus, Zin can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zin wherever you are. Zin's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell, plus it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zin comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zin contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 and over learn more and find your local retailer at zin.com that's z-y-n.com warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical <clears throat> i'm scott seidenberg it's the look ahead here on vsin the sports betting network looking ahead to the college football weekend which will begin on thursday night with a game that is well intriguing for me because it happens to be one of my selections in this week's uh, V-SIN's College Football Best Bets article. Uh, we'll talk about that game coming up a little bit later on. Uh, hint, it's Houston and Tulane. We'll talk about that game, though, coming up a little later on. Uh, I want to talk uh, about a topic in college football that's very interesting, and that's what's going on at LSU. There, <laughs> there are reports that the athletic director, Scott Woodward, Wants to make a coaching change. And wanted to make a coaching change last season. Now Ed Orgeron is two years removed from a national championship. Uh, you know, the 2019 season was a fantastic season led by Joe Burrow, and you know, they go they had an incredible uh uh, team that year, the the great run, obviously with the the, the talent, Josh uh, Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and uh, excuse me, just a, an incredible run for that team. Okay, fifteen and zero. What a great job by Edo. But since then, since that season, they are eight and seven, and six and six in conference play. So you would think that maybe the national title gives him a little leeway and he you know, can afford a losing season or two. Not at LSU. Their expectations are to compete on the level of the Alabamas, the Georgias, and seeing Ole Miss rise up above them, they're not happy about it. Uh, let's see. There was an article from Bruce Feldman of the Athletic, and he writes, "They, uh, uh, after a five loss, another five loss season, and Orgeron is going to be gone. They have to travel to Kentucky, then play Florida before visiting Ole Miss, and then Tuscaloosa, and then hosting Arkansas. Going three and two over that stretch seems overly optimistic." And it feels like it's going to be an uphill battle just to get to 7-5, and five, which might not be good enough to get Orgeron to 2022. So, let's, uh, let's think about this for a second here. LSU likely has to finish 5-2 for them to even consider bringing back Ed Orgeron. If they lose this weekend to Kentucky, I don't think there's any way that they win five games out of their next seven. You, you, you just look at the schedule, and I, and I, read, it, I read it off to you before, and, and I'll continue. I'll read it off here again. LSU plays at Kentucky, where they are a field goal underdog. Then they host Florida. Florida. They go to Ole Miss, where they will be an underdog. They go to Alabama, where they will be an underdog. Then they host Arkansas, and then they have UL Monroe and Texas A&M. They will at least lose two of these games to Ole Miss and Alabama on the road. They can lose to Arkansas, they can lose to Florida, they can lose to Kentucky. How do you view this LSU team, especially this weekend, going on the road to Kentucky with everything that is going on with this team? It's kind of like the way I talked about it last night, and I'll I'll reiterate my stance on it when I get into the NFL later on, is is why I'm fading the Titans because of everything that's going on, excuse me, fading the Jaguars because of everything that's going on with Urban Meyer. And whenever there is turmoil from the top, it always trickles down that's what's happening with this LSU team they're 3 and 2 to start the year and orgeron on monday says quote ultimately i'm responsible for the performance of the team i always will be responsible they have received all types of criticism their offensive coordinator jake peets he is being he's under fire because the the claim is, is that he's not getting the plays in quick enough, or he's trying to change the play at the last second, and the players are not ready. They're calling timeouts, they're 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 not running the right plays. Orgeron says Jake is trying Jake is trying to do a tremendous job. I believe in him. There are just a few things we need to get fixed. We just need to settle down. Mostly just call the play and let them go and not try to change it. I think that's when we get into most of our problems. We need to make a couple of adjustments on the things we're doing and maybe some different sets, some different formations to help us be more aggressive and attack the line of scrimmage. We're not doing that well, and hopefully we can get that done this week. I wonder, reading these comments, are we going to see a a simplified approach against Kentucky? Kentucky has a top 10 defense in the country. They were number nine before last week's game against Florida. And they, let's see where they are right now. I'll tell you exactly where they are because they were ninth in the country in yards allowed going into the game against Florida. They're 12th in the country right now. So they're the 12th best defense in the country in yards allowed. Uh, They've only allowed nine opposing touchdowns on the season. This year, they have allowed 16.8 points per game. If this LSU offense is all of a sudden going to be dumbed down because they're not making adjustments and they're not Reading the defense and calling a different play, because you you see that in college football, right? I mean, you watch college football. It's not like the NFL where the, the, the there's the communication and the headset and it's there for the first, you know until there's a certain amount of time in the play clock. What happens in college football a lot is there there's no huddles. The team will go up to the line of scrimmage, and then the coach will get a look at the formations. The players will then all turn to the sideline and look for the coaching signals, and the coach will call a different play based on what they see with the defense, right? So the players all get to the line of scrimmage, they get the play. If that's the play, they run the play. If it's not the play, if they the coach sees something, everyone looks to the side, they get the new play call, and then they get the play. If LSU is not going to make any adjustments before the snap, because that's been the problem with them, and this Kentucky number 12 defense in the country, they're going to have a field day against this LSU offense. Because they're going to line up, they're going to pin their ears back, they're going to get after Max Johnson, they're going to get after uh, you know, Kiner, and, and, and they're not going to allow LSU to beat them offensively because LSU's offense is going to be, I don't want to say discombobulated, but simplified. And does this team, do these players, do they rally around Coach O? Do they fight for him? Or do these players see the writing on the wall? And do they know, do they hear what's going on? Do they know that their coach won't be there next year? So when he's yelling at them, Hey, come on now, you got to get out there, you got to and he's getting angry? Is his message being received by these players? Or do they brush it off because they know he won't be there next year? And they will. I'm starting to like Kentucky more and more in this matchup. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next... Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and administrator from LandryFootball.com will join me. We'll talk about that game and some more coming up next year on The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Football season,
4: your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money, and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VSIN.com data and analysis. You get everything VSIN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here, the look ahead here on Vsin joined now by football scout coach and administrator Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. And, Chris, let's start in college football with the number one team in the country, Alabama. You know, this game against uh, Texas A&M before the season was supposed to be one of the biggest games of the year seems to have lost a little bit of its luster now.
3: It sure has. You know, primetime game, this was maybe considered in the summer, might be one of the tougher games for Alabama, it hasn't been. AM has really struggled. Their offensive line is not only young, but now they're injured, and they really have no answers. They ran the football fairly well against Mississippi State, but they're not running consistently well enough. They've got a young quarterback to boot. It's not the guy they had picked to be the starter, Haynes King, who's out with an injury. So young quarterback, young offensive line, uh, having a hard time making enough plays in the passing game. They just can't score enough points. They're averaging 19 points a game. The defense is really good, but they're starting to lose a little bit. I thought they did a poor job leveraging against the screen game of Mississippi State last week. Uh, they're starting to feel it, and I'm wondering if they're you know, going to lose even more confidence because this game is strictly in Alabama's hands. I mean, they will make of it what they want. If Alabama plays a clean, sharp game, they're going to win this thing in a blowout fashion. Hmm. At times, Alabama – You know, they don't maybe play full four quarters of focus. Uh, I just don't see where A&M makes any hay in this game at all. I just – they're not able to score a a whole lot of points against anybody. So expecting them to score more than 17, 20 points, I just don't see it. And I think, you know, A&M's defense is going to have to have a great game to hold Alabama to under 30.
4: Let's uh, go to the number two team in the nation, Georgia, who travels to Auburn for a matchup. Auburn, you know, riding a high over that, after that win last week. Bo Nix played real well. But then again, uh, the LSU team is certainly on a down year. And Georgia, I mean, what more can you say about them, Chris? I mean, they might be the most complete team in the country when you consider how elite they are on defense. So Georgia laying over two touchdowns here on the road, which is kind of surprising. But can this Auburn score against Georgia?
3: Uh, no, no. They, they're, they're, this to me is another blowout. This this Auburn team's not very impressive. Um, they made they managed to make a few plays against LSU. Neither one of those teams are very good. This Georgia team is on a different level than than Auburn. Again, I think maybe just to reiterate, kind of the same thing with Alabama A and M. This Georgia team is going to make of it what they want. I I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game by three touchdowns but 21 24 points it's it's going to be about how all, uh, how Georgia plays it i think they're going to run it a lot that's probably the only thing that keeps it under a three touchdown margin if it does at all i, I don't know that auburn's found anything on offense at all the receivers are not very good uh Nix is going to be under a whole lot of pressure a whole lot of heat rush pressure i'm talking about uh, you, you georgia just given up 23 points all year long. Folks, <laughs> let me say that again. 23 points total. Not 23 points a game, which would be pretty good for a lot of teams. 23 points total. I, this is just going to be a bloodletting. I, I haven't seen a gap. I think Alabama may be a little bit more complete. Georgia, they're 1-1A, and, and there's nobody in their stratosphere. We're just trying to figure out who's going to be 3-4 and four to take a butt whipping because Alabama and Georgia... It's clear right now, as we sit here in early October, they look like they're going to play twice this year. And everything else is about who can get close enough to make a game competitive against those teams. These two opponents against Georgia and Alabama this week, I don't think they can be competitive against them.
4: Uh, We'll stay in the SEC, Arkansas and Ole Miss. Uh, Which one of them bounces back from their loss last week, Ole Miss laying a little less than a touchdown
3: at home? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's Ole Miss. Look, You know, Arkansas... Is, I think going to be a little worn out. They've played now. This is going to be you know, three straight big games while Oklahoma had a bye prior to Alabama. I know they got whipped. So did Arkansas. I think they're a little bit more explosive. I'm excited to watch it because even though it's a distant second, this probably tells us early October who's the second-best team in the SEC West this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's Ole Miss. I think they're able to get a little bit more done offensively. I think Arkansas is maybe a little bit worn down, but this is a close game. Could go either way, uh, but I would give the edge to the reps here.
4: Uh, Kentucky, Chris, with a huge win last week, the first time they beat Georgia, uh, Florida at home in God knows how long. Uh, it's only their second win over them in like 31 years. Uh, So now they are laying a little north of a field goal at home against LSU. It's a primetime game, which, you know, you're going to try and capture that similar atmosphere that you had last week at Kroger Field. Can Kentucky keep this thing rolling?
3: I got to tell you, my best advice for folks is stay the hell away from this game because I'm going to tell you why. Kentucky is, even last week in the win, they did some nice things. They're still struggling on offense. They're still not very good there. Um, I mean, they, they got they had a ten point swing. They had a you know a block kick for a touchdown. Yep. And, and look, it was big. I, I don't think, and we'll see this when they play Georgia. In my view, I, I don't think they're like a really good team. I think they're just that. Told me more about Florida, quite frankly, last week and their inconsistencies. LSU, you can't trust them. LSU is capable of winning this game. I don't trust them to do so. Uh, Is Kentucky going to have the same emotion um, as they did last week? I mean, this is a big storyline game because it's big for Kentucky if they win. If they lose, it's a big loss for them. And for LSU, they're playing for Ed Orgeron's job, which I think it's pretty much a fait accompli. But. This is like one more nail in the coffin if Mm -hmm. he loses this game. And so there's a lot of storylines. This is a very intriguing game. I just don't know who you can trust in this game. And my feeling is I don't trust either. I think Kentucky's the better team. I just don't know in the desperation mode of LSU which way they go. And for Kentucky, you alluded to it, big moment last week. Can they have the same type of energy? And for goodness sakes, can they play better on offense? I, I am really concerned. <laughs> they just are not all that impressive, despite the fact that they beat Florida last week.
4: Let's go to the Big Ten, Chris. The uh, the matchup of the day is Penn State and Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. You know, both teams undefeated, ranked number three and four in the country. Iowa is a small favorite. This game is essentially
3: a coin flip. It is, and this game comes down to a couple of things, really. Both of these defenses are very good, but they're a little different. Penn State's a little bit better with their rush pressure. They've got big, long corners that they try to reroute you off the line of scrimmage and do a good job on the ball. Iowa is the best at playing two deep zone coverage, uh, uh, eyes on the quarterback. Boy, they make so many plays on the ball. Um, Penn State can't run the football well enough. They can throw it pretty well. Are they going to have enough success throwing against said uh, Iowa defense? My sense is that you might see Penn State make a few more mistakes. I don't think they're going to turn it over well. They better not turn it over anywhere near as much as Maryland did last week. But I just think that might be the difference in this game. But it is a close game in terms of talent. Maybe Penn State overall a little bit better. I trust Iowa's coaching a little bit more. I trust Iowa's balance a little bit more. Scott, if you look at it, I don't want to look too far ahead, but if Iowa does win this game at home, they really don't have a tough opponent until they get to the conference championship game. I'm not calling for an unbeaten Iowa team, but they're certainly going to be favorite in every one of their games. This is I know they're a slight favorite, but this is to be like a toss-up game. I think I won a close one, but look, take your chances on this one.
4: Yeah, uh, I give Iowa the edge just for being home. Uh, in the Big Ten, you got both Michigan and Michigan State going on the road. <laughs> Michigan laying a little more than a field goal at Nebraska. Michigan State laying about five and a half at Rutgers. Which one, if either, should be on upset alert?
3: I think both need to be on alert. I think... Nebraska is playing a little bit better. I think Rutgers is doing a very fine job. Um, but, I, but I think that their Michigan State's ability to run the football may keep them out of harm's way a little bit more. I think Michigan's played well. I think the defense is for real. I think Aiden Hutchinson is playing as good as anybody in college football right now. This Nebraska team is playing well enough to keep this close and make it interesting. That might be...
4: All right, Chris, uh, you know what? Why don't uh, we try to get Chris back up uh, on the line? Because there's there's more I want to talk to him about with, um, obviously, college football and uh, the NFL. So we'll try to get Chris uh, back up connected. Chris Landry, of course, LandryFootball.com is the website. You follow him on Twitter. At Landry Football, Chris is a football scout, coach, and administrator. Has worked on staff with both Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Uh, lots of insight from Chris. So we'll get him back up coming up next year with me, Scott Seidenberg. The Look Ahead here on Besin the Sports Betting Network.
3: On VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over under and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vison.com I'm Scott Seidenberg back here with you, the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's We'll get Chris Landry back up here in just a moment. Uh, Chris runs his own website, LandryFootball.com. He is a football scout a coach, and administrator. Uh, he's a consultant with practically every college football program in the country and every NFL team, uh, especially when it comes to coaching hire matters. So the guy's as locked in as they come, has worked on staff with Belichick and Saban, was part of the hiring committee that got Saban the job at LSU, uh, worked uh, in the Titans uh, front office when they drafted Eddie George and Steve McNair. So he's a uh, guy has been around football for a while, and I absolutely love talking football with him. Uh, I'm very curious to get his thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas and the Red River rivalry. Uh, We got Chris back up. Okay, Chris, let me talk to you about the uh, Red River shootout here, shootout rivalry, whatever you want to call it, Uh, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Oklahoma and Texas. Half the stadium will be crimson, and half the stadium will be burnt orange. Uh, Oklahoma, besides their cupcake game in their schedule, they haven't covered a spread, right? They're winning games but they're not covering spreads. Texas has played well. Obviously, B. John Robinson is a Heisman candidate, but where do you see this game playing out? How do you see this game playing out? Because is this a situation where Texas can upset Oklahoma, and and this is where Oklahoma kind of suffers the loss here, or is this a get-right spot for the Sooners?
3: Yeah, I I actually think Oklahoma played pretty well last week. I think they're playing a little bit better better than they're getting credit for. But but I get it. I understand that we're looking, you know, people, the, the standard is to score 60 points. I actually think they're playing better complementary football. I thought Spencer Rattler played a cleaner game last week. Look, I think that this Texas team is playing with a lot of confidence. The thing I see with Texas is they're being patient with the run game. B. John Robinson is outstanding. And this Texas defense has to be protected. And I think that that Steve Sarkeesian is doing a really good job running the football, uh, limiting the amount of time his defense has to be out on the field. So I think this has a chance to be a better game than I would have thought, say in August. I think it's close. I do like Oklahoma. Uh, Here's the thing. I mean, if Oklahoma loses this, this this puts the Big Twelve in a bit of peril, and we know the ACC, I think, is out of it, and we know the Pac-12 had a rough week last week with Oregon losing, although they still got the win over Ohio State. It'll be interesting. Still like Oklahoma in a close one. I think they're the better team of the two. I trust Oklahoma's defense a little more than I trust Texas's defense at this point, point. and I like what they're able they're, they've been able to do with Casey Thompson at quarterback in Texas, but I still trust Spencer Rattler. I don't expect the, the points that we normally see. I expect it to be close, expected to be really competitive. Uh, I don't know that they cover, but they win. I, I think Oklahoma wins this
4: one. Yeah, maybe it comes down to a field goal at the end of the game. So it's important to get the right number here. Right now, Oklahoma laying three and a half points. Uh, Let's talk about this Notre Dame team, Chris. You know, coming off the loss to Cincinnati, now they have to go on the road to Lane Stadium, primetime game against Virginia Tech. Uh, Are we starting to see the warts for Notre Dame come out, or uh, can they, you know, get back on the winning side of things in this game?
3: Yeah, I think we've seen the warts of Notre Dame all year long. It's that their offensive line is not up to speed what they normally are, and I think that's holding them back a little bit. And quite frankly, Cincinnati's just better right now they got more playmakers and believe it or not they're just better team right now it's probably hard for Notre Dame folks to understand it's just not a great Notre Dame team this Virginia Tech team it's it's hard to get excited over they're capable of winning a close one here Um, it's a spot in which I think the Hokies could do it uh, but they have been woefully inconsistent I trust Notre Dame a little bit more but I kind of see this as one of those you know Field goal games towards the end type. I just don't trust Virginia Tech at this point. No one is standing out, including Virginia Tech and the ACC, other than standing out in terms of mediocrity. Notre Dame is maybe a little bit better, I think, overall, but they're not the same Notre Dame team. It's pure and simple. Trying to get things figured out at quarterback behind the offensive line. Uh, I think defensively they're good, but they're not. I think they're getting better and better under Marcus Freeman's defense. I trust Notre Dame a little bit more, but a lot of people feel, I sense in football, they feel a, a Virginia Tech win here. I just don't trust the Hokies here, even though I think they're in a spot to maybe pull it off. I just don't trust them.
4: All right, let's go to the NFL, Chris. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Scott Zadenberg here with a look ahead on v the sports betting network. The Cardinals uh, off to a 4-0 and start, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Watching this team on film, Chris, what's been your evaluation of them? Just how good are
3: they, and uh, what's the ceiling for them? Well, they're really good. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. The quarterback's been really good. The pass rush on the other side's been really good. Good football team, no question about it. They played well, and um, they may have caught a couple of teams at the right spot, but they, they are really good, and look, they're they are unbeaten for a reason, and I think uh, they'll continue to play well and be, be very, very difficult to beat. Now, obviously, they've got a San Francisco team with the quarterback situation and getting Trey Lance ready to go. This is this is a good spot for Arizona to continue at home to take care of business and really put a dent in San Francisco's uh, that's a tough division. It's, I think every team in the NFC West is good. But San Francisco, another loss, and still trying to get the young quarterback to go. This might be uh, you know, a good way to do some damage in your own division to one of your teams. So Arizona's really good. There's no question. Scoring a lot of points and uh, doing a good job with the lead, rushing the passer.
4: We got the AFC title game rematch and possibly the AFC title game preview coming up this Sunday night. Bills and Chiefs. The Chiefs are laying a little bit less than a field goal, two and a half points. Uh, The Bills certainly with their plus 90 point differential have looked a lot better since losing to the Steelers in week one and the Kansas City Chiefs seem to turn it around as well. So who do you give the edge to in this
3: matchup? You know, I think in the desperation mode, I like Kansas City. Look, I'm going to tell you, it is not too early to be talking about it with losing to Buffalo, already having lost to Baltimore, already having lost to the Chargers. Uh, Kansas City, you're looking at doing your damage in the playoffs if you get there, and I still think you probably will. You're going to be doing it on the road, not narrowhead. I, you know, Kansas City's played a tougher schedule here. Buffalo clearly looked better since their week one debacle against Pittsburgh. They've been really good. Now, I know that, you know, they've not played, for example, Houston's not very good. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is Buffalo team, like Baltimore, kind of look at Kansas City as the team they need to beat. So I think they maybe smell a little blood in the water here, like maybe Baltimore did. You know, uh, this is going to be fun to watch. I can't wait because I can absolutely see Buffalo winning it. Uh, and i do think that they're they're playing better football right now but Kansas City ran the football a little bit better last week and just can't turn the football over I'm going with Kansas City here i think that's the difference uh they got to protect their home turf so that they possibly could play at home in the playoffs and i think this is a desperation move at at, at one and two to not fall to one and three
4: uh, we got a, a key game in the AFC: the Chargers and the Browns. LA coming off uh, a big win, obviously. Both teams at three and one. Uh, it's a small, a small line here—about you know one and a half point line here for the Chargers. Can LA keep it rolling here against the Browns?
3: I think they can. Of course, I apologize. I meant to say you know not to go two and three for Kansas City. Yep. Like this, like this Charger team a lot. I just think they're, the quarterback's really good. We've talked about it last year. I thought that the Chargers were one of the more underachieving teams. I think they're the better team here. I think it's a, it's a potential playoff matchup of two teams that are likely going to both make the playoffs. You know, I see a little bit more at the line of scrimmage, running the football consistency with Cleveland. Quarterback play, balance on offense. Uh, the defense is playing really well. like this Charger team. I like them in a close game. Uh, they're playing a little bit better right now, so I'm curious to see. I'm thinking charges, and I'm thinking over here.
4: Chris, I always appreciate the time and the insight, and uh, we'll be following you on Twitter and keeping an eye on what's going on at the website as well.
3: Hey, thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate you, buddy. There
4: There is the website, of course, LandryFootball.com, and the uh, Twitter handle, at LandryFootball. Follow Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and consultant. Uh, I'm Scott Satterberg. It's a look ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Uh, The updated lines there, the Chargers minus two over the Browns. Uh, Two and a half is still the line here for the Chiefs and the Bills. I love the Bills in a teaser spot, you know, teasing them up from two and a half to eight and a half. It's one of my favorite teaser spots of the weekend of course uh let's get to some of the other teaser spots let's get to the full nfl slate which will begin with thursday night football the rams and the seahawks lots of nfl discussion coming up next i'm scott seidenberg again follow on twitter at scott's on air s-c-o-t-t-s o-n-a-i-r this is the look ahead coming to you from the circus Sportsbook in downtown las vegas right here on vc the sports betting network
2: If you dare.